0: Hi, this is Ed Asner, and you're listening to TV Confidential.
1: Ed Robertson along with our guests Howard Storm and Steve Stoller. Howard and Steve are the co-authors of The Imperfect Storm, from Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career in show business, from his days performing in nightclubs across the country throughout the 1950s to his years working as an actor in movies and on television throughout the 1960s, his years performing improv in the early 1970s as a member of the committee, and his long and successful years as a director in television, including the three years he worked with Robin Williams as the regular director on Mork & Mindy. The Imperfect Storm, from Henry Street to Hollywood, available in hardcover paperback, and as an e-book through media.com amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Before we went to break, Howard was telling us the story about how he came to work with Beatrice Arthur on the set of Amanda's By the Sea, the short-lived American version of Faulty Towers that aired on ABC in the early 1980s. By the time Howard came aboard, Beatrice Arthur had already gone through seven directors. Howard tells us the story of how he went on to win B. Arthur's Confidence.
0: And I said, well, I know your work. I know how good you are. You know nothing about me, so can I tell you a little about myself? And she said yes, and I told her my father was a did in the Burlesque comic, and that's where the thing was, I knew funny from the age of two. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there was always humor in my house. Mm-hmm. It was the, the dinner table was hilarious. But my brother was funny. My mother and sister loved laughing and loved the humor, and the three men were funny, and we would make them laugh at dinner. So it, there was always, it was a household without a dime. <laughs> 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 we didn't have a penny. We paid $32 a month's rent.
2: Wow. And I remember
0: an argument my mother had with my father over money. And because she handled all the money, she mm-hmm. had no sense in money. She gave him an allowance. And so, <laughs> yeah, she gave him $5 a week an allowance. So he, she said to him, Jack, we don't have any money. He said, I don't understand that. What do you mean with all that? She said, just what I said. We don't have any money. And he said, I don't know what that means. She said, Do you understand this? We don't have the money for the rent. And I, I was nine years old and I knew how wrong this was. Mm-hmm. And he said to her, When is the rent due? And she said, Tomorrow. And he said, then why are you worrying about it today? (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) And at nine, I knew that was bizarre.
1: No, no. That's like, uh, how can we be broke? I still have checks in my checkbook. That's right, that's right. Yeah, he had no sense of money, none at all. Of course, at one point, I think you mentioned, you know, the rent on your parents' house was 32 bucks a month. At one point, like when you were an early teenager... Weren't you, like, responsible for, like, 28 of those $32? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. We had to give money. If you worked, you had to give your salary to my mother, and she would give you an allowance mm-hmm. out of that. And me being the rebel that I was, I refused to give her all my money.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I said to her, tell me how much I owe. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, uh, okay, you owe half. So I gave. I was making fourteen bucks a week after school. So I gave her seven dollars, and so twenty-eight dollars almost paid the whole rent. You know, it was thirty-two. My twenty-eight for the month just about covered the rent. Of course, my brother gave more. My brother was five years older than me, and my father, when he worked, gave some money. If he was working, and how did you get that fourteen dollars a week? What were you doing? I worked after school. I worked for the post on the truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would drop the papers off. You know, as a robot, we throw the papers on the sidewalk or run them into a store. And uh, the driver, we had a lot of fun. He was Sicilian, and he would always make fun of jews to me and i would make fun of sicilians i'd say you know italians believe sicilians are black (laughs) i would would say real italians believe that sicilians are black (laughs) and we'd go back and forth like this we really liked each other Mm -hmm. you know Uh,
1: on the line with us are howard storm and steve Stoyer, Howard, and Steve are the co authors of The Imperfect Storm From Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career on stage as a stand up comic, and in front of and behind the camera, including the three years that Howard worked with Robin Williams as the regular director of Mork and Mindy. The Imperfect Storm, from Henry Street to Hollywood, available in hardcover paperback and as an ebook through BearmanorMedia.com, amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Howard, for the most part, you left your mark as a director in television, but I understand you learned the ins and outs of directing by working alongside Woody Allen in the movie Take the money and run. How did you first meet Woody?
0: Well, I, we were managed by the same manager, uh, a man named. There was a team. It was Jack Rollins and Charlie Joffe. I met Woody through the office. He would come up to the office, and when he was doing uh, his first film, Take the Money and Run, I knew that they were going to protect him, and you know, and give him a lot of information. So I asked to have a job on the film from day one to the wrap party. And I just stood next to Woody all the time and took notes. I have two books of every shot in the movie from Bananas and Take the Money and Run. Mm -hmm. Every shot, what lens was used, what the distance was, how many people were in the shot. I would write all of that down. And many times, The editor, I can't think of his name now. Steve, can you think of him? Oh, Ralph Ralph Rosenblum. I don't think it was Ralph Rosenblum on that. No, it was. It was Ralph Rosenblum. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he was on Take the Money and Run, and he would say to Woody, uh, that's a very nice shot. Uh, Now give me an insert of his hand reaching for the glass. You know? And I would just write that down in my book and, you know, learn all these things. And I would ask the, there was a wonderful cameraman named Till Mm Gabano. And Till was a great character. And at the end of of the shoot, you know, Woody would say cut. And then, no, Woody would never say cut. He had the AD say, cut. He wouldn't do it. I don't know why, but he would not do it. So the AD would stand next to him, and Woody would look at him and give him a nudge, and he would yell, cut. And then Woody would ask, lights, that's good for you. Good for lights, uh, Woody. Uh, And he would ask everybody, you know, sound, yeah, good for sound. And then he would say, till... Are you all right? And Till had a little cigar in his mouth and, and a um, hat he would wear, like one of those uh, hats that Norman really wears, mm-hmm. short, brim thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he'd stick his head out behind the camera and he would say, If I don't have it, you'll hear from me, Woody. And he would <laughs> disappear back behind the camera. And Woody realized that this was a fun game. So every time he got to that, Woody would say, Till, are you okay? And Till would lean out and say, if I don't have it, you'll hear from me, Woody, and disappear behind the camera again. But Woody loved doing that with him.
1: Woody was an actor, a performer before he became a director. You were an actor, you were a performer before you became a director, Howard. I have a theory, the best directors are directors who acted because they understand what it's like to be on the other side of the camera and therefore they know how to communicate to actors in a way that works for actors. What do you think of that?
0: I agree. I I think so. Woody, having never directed, I knew that they were going to really protect him and I could learn a lot if I stood next to him. And I did, you know, and uh, I have two books uh, with every shot, and it's just amazing to me. Uh, Ralph Rosenblum would stand next to him and say "That's good, give me this, give me that." and I would just write it all down and it, it was uh, it was a great experience wasn't it because of your familiarity with improv and being funny on your toes, that helped you get the gig working with Robin Williams on Mork and Mindy? Yes, yeah, because I had the same background as Robin, only I wasn't as good at it as he was, you know. I mean, I was a stand-up comic. He, was, he did stand-up. I was an improvisational actor. He was an improvisational actor. I was an actor. He was an actor. So we had the same background, you know, and so that helped. And he and I connected almost immediately. I remember the first day I worked with him, I came home and said to my wife, this is like working with Charlie Chaplin. This kid can do anything. You know, it was... It was, uh, at the same time, exciting and frightening.
1: Because you never knew what he was going to do. No, no. But I finally...
0: Worked out a deal with him. I said to him, Robin, I'm going to let you go for two days. You can tumble, you can do your stuff, whatever. But after the second day, I've got to hear the play. So would you agree to that? Because otherwise we're not going to have a show. And he said, yeah, Papa. He called me Papa because I had a beard the first year. Mm-hmm. And he he referred that to Papa Hemingway. (laughs) So uh, he called me Papa all the time. And uh, he was childlike. If I were annoyed with him for something, he would be like a little boy. You know? I once said to him, you know, the audience doesn't realize it because you're so good Mm -hmm. that they think you're working at 100%. But I know you, and I know what you're doing, and you're giving him 75 percent and consequently you become mediocre and the show becomes mediocre and my work becomes mediocre so if you don't give me a full hundred percent i'm out of here and he said no 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 papa i'll I'll be good i'll be good (laughs) he was like a little
1: boy you talk about giving robin the room to do his thing so long as you eventually did what you needed to do on the page, you know, to get to yeah. A to Z on that day. And in one of your chapters on Mark and Mindy, Howard, you talk about how Pam Dauber kind of worked with him much the same way. She would... Yeah, Pam,
0: Pam never, ever got the credit she deserved.
2: Yeah.
1: Because
0: she was Bud Abbott. Mm-hmm. You know, and Bud Abbott was brilliant. And so was she when it came to waiting him out and knowing when to feed him the next line. Because, you know, Robin would go on a, uh, a run. Mm-hmm. She'd feed him the line, he'd dance her and then he'd do uh, five minutes uh, of a run that had nothing to do with what was going on. And she would wait him out and as soon as she could find a space. And one day... This is, to me, a very interesting story. She was sitting at the typewriter in play, Mm -hmm. and Robin tapped her on the shoulder and said, Don't worry, someday you'll have a show of your own. You won't need me. And he walked off stage. And I saw her get up, and I could see the fury in her eyes. And she ran backstage after him. And I said, Well what did you say to him? She said, I said to him, Don't you ever dare do that again. Who do you think you are? That I'll one day have a show of my own, I won't need you. I don't need you. And he apologized and he was like a child. You know, he realized what he had said and done in front of an audience.
1: And like you, she was not afraid to stand her ground when she needed to.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, she was. He had great respect for her. Mm -hmm.
1: They
0: they loved each other. Yeah. They really did. They had great respect and love for each other. And uh, he would show up at her house at 7 o'clock at night and just, she'd open the door, he'd come in, and she said, and he'd sit down and not say a word. Just sit there. But just wanted to be around her. And it was never a romance. Yeah. It, it was just a friendship and a very strong friendship. He had great respect for her,
1: as she did for him. And going back to how she would let him go on for, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, looking for a spot to you steer the ship back on course, That right. I would imagine that took a tremendous amount of focus and concentration for her to look for that opening to get back to page 27.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I always said that she never got the credit she deserved. You know, they kind of ignored her because it was all about Robin.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, magazines would write articles about Robin and hardly ever mention Pam. And Pam was the cement of the show. I mean, Lou Costello could not work without Bud Abbott, and Robin could not work without Pam. You know, somebody had a freedom of mind, Mm -hmm. and and somebody had to be there to set up the next moment. And she was. She was strong, and I think that she was ignored, and uh, everything written was always about Robin. Nobody had the sense. In, in writing an article to see how much Pam had brought to that show.
1: Well, you give Pam Dauber her due and more in The Imperfect Storm, The Imperfect Storm by Howard Storm and Steve Stoyer, The Imperfect Storm from Henry Street to Hollywood, available in hardcover, paperback, and as an ebook through our friends at com. You can also find it at amazon.com, RiverBooks. books are sold online. Howard and Steve will be back next week to share a few more stories about Howard's career in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about Howard's years as a nightclub comedian as well as his encounters with such legends as lenny bruce and judy garland that is coming up next week on tv confidential we'll take a quick time out then we'll play part two of our segment with phil grace right after this ed robertson author friend donna allen figueroa who I understand has new book out
2: yes it's entitled fall again beginnings it's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series a set against the background of working actors
1: Something that you know a little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you
2: write what you know. And I have been working in the business for several years.
1: It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure,
2: many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me. Many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for... Valley of the Dolls. It's not. It's grounded in reality.
1: It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle. At FallAgainSeries.com. One more. I don't want to tell you about ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN, the number one rated virtual private network according to TechRadar. A lot of us are hunkered down right now. We're either working from home or we're just staying at home waiting out the shelter-in-place order. That means a lot more of us are online right now. Unfortunately, that also means a lot more hackers are online right now looking for ways to get your private information. But you could put your mind at ease by checking out ExpressVPN. It is the fastest, most secure, and easiest-to-use virtual private network service in the world. And you can try it right now for free by going to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash tvconfidential. Tryexpressvpn.com forward slash tvconfidential. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. All it takes is just one click, and your device is protected. ExpressVPN secures your internet browsing and makes it anonymous by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. It also lets you surf the web safely without being snooped on by your ISP, the government, or hackers. Plus, ExpressVPN will protect your personal data such as credit card information, account logins, and other sensitive data from being stolen. Go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash tvconfidential for more information. ExpressVPN offers servers in 94 countries so you can access the internet from a wide variety of locations. Sign up for 12 months at tryexpressvpn.com forward slash tvconfidential. TV Confidential, sign up for 12 months and you will get an extra three months absolutely free. That'll bring down the total price to about seven bucks a month. And if you're not completely satisfied after one month, there's a 30 day money back guarantee. Visit TryExpressVPN.com forward slash TV Confidential, TryExpressVPN.com forward slash TV Confidential for more information. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear,